Good morning, everybody. I hope you're doing well this morning. Uh, my name is Todd. For those of you I don't know, uh, I'm the lead pastor here. And uh, this morning I'm joined by one of our own, um, Mindy Hopman. So why don't you give her a warm welcome this morning, Mindy. Uh, most of you uh, who have been with us these past few weeks know we're in this series called Monday's Coming because we all love Mondays so much, right? The alarm goes off and you're so excited about hitting the week, right? Like enthusiasm when that alarm goes off. And, you know, all, all, all of you who are retired are like, yeah, sure, whatever. Anyway, th- those of us who aren't yet, uh, we, uh, you know, we kind of dread Monday. And uh, we've been in the series these past uh, few weeks where we've really been focusing on the fact that part of the reason that we dread so much Monday every seventh day for 52 weeks a year, for all of our lives, is because we're spiritually not prepared for Monday. And so we've been talking about that. And I was uh, joined by Summer Dempster in week one as uh, we really focused on getting a plan for the week and getting a plan for our families in in the spiritual area of our lives. And last week with Todd Cooper uh, joined me up here and we talked about what it means really to kind of pass that on and and be a mentor and have accountability and, and focused on really our students and our kids these past few weeks. Well, today we're kind of turning the corner to talk about um, the rest of us, all right, which is most of us, and uh, I've asked Mindy to share her heart with you uh, about what groups mean and, and kind of where groups come from in Scripture, because this whole idea of community was, was really not dreamed up by some one person. This is something that came from God. And so uh, I've asked Mindy to share with us, and Mindy, uh, most of you know Mindy, she and John moved here three years ago, three years ago, and have been like journeying with us as a church a little bit longer than that, because they were, they were kind of in and out that first year, and uh, so they live here, they have two children who are middle school and high school age, uh, Hunter and Haley, and um, Mindy has an education degree um, from, uh, let's see, George Mason, right? George Mason, I got that right. Yeah, one of the um, one of the the many colleges in Virginia, but not the best, because the best is clearly my alma mater, Liberty University, and she has a degree from Liberty University as well, uh, a Master's of Arts in Religion. And so, uh, but not, and Mindy's a great Bible teacher. But I got to tell you, the, the real reason that I've asked her to speak is is not all those those reasons. She just came out with her first book this September, but. The real reason that I ask her to speak today is because she is passionate about groups, and she's passionate about community, and she's passionate about teaching the Bible. And Mindy's involved in the life of our church. She helps out on Wednesday nights with our students, and uh, she's a leader in our student ministry. She also leads a uh, Monday morning women's Bible study. She's our women's groups coach. And wow, you're part of our writing team as well. And so some of you get online and you read that Going Deeper guide. Mindy's one of the the team of people who writes that. And uh, if you are with us for Wednesday Night Roots, we study through that. And um, so I'm really glad that she's here today. And I believe that she's got something on her heart that um, God has for us as a church today. So uh, why don't you give it up one more time for Mindy Hopman. I'll turn it over to you, Mindy. Thank you. Well, good morning, Hilton Head Island Community Church. I am so glad to be here with you this morning, especially with the students who are here. I'm so excited that you are here the second service. Um, We just had a sprinkling of students the first service, uh, but I love to see you guys sitting together. So before we get started, though, let us pray. Heavenly Father, I praise you for who you are, Lord, and I thank you for each person that you have brought here today that you have strategically placed right here for such a time as this. 
Lord, help move me aside. Help your message, Lord, be heard and received, Lord. And thank you, Jesus, for this church. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, i first like to say thank you to Todd. Um, thank you for, he is a wonderful pastor that is leading all of us. And to his lovely wife, Cynthia, um, if you don't have... If you haven't had the opportunity to meet her or get to talk with her, um, she was the one up here who was playing. She is a gem, and she is a good friend. So thank you for everything that you do behind the scenes, Cynthia. Let's give her a huge round of applause. And thank you to Kelly, who greets my family every single morning with a smile and an abundant amount of grace. Please give her a huge round of applause. The only time that I actually was nervous was two weeks ago when I walked in and I wasn't greeted with a smile. I was greeted with a look of concern. And that panicked me for a second because I wasn't used to that. She never judges us when we walk in just a few minutes after that first song. So when she looked at me and she gave me that look of concern... I had a family of seven with me that day, and I didn't know what to do. There wasn't a seat in the house. It was Super Bowl Sunday, and so I, <laughs> my husband, who is a problem solver and solution finder and is used to running events, spotted the stack of chairs in the back there in the corner, and so we just created our very own row, and it was perfect. So I want to say thank you for always always being our door greeter and greeting us with grace. There's never any judgment that comes with that. Yes, she's amazing. Because when we walk in here and the lights are down low and we begin to sing out about God's beauty, God's wonder, and God's power, and our arms go up, you can feel the grace just coming down. And whatever we walked in with, whatever struggle, whatever sin is completely washed away. It's during that time that our hearts are set for worship. And maybe you're here, maybe you're here and you're here with a friend, or maybe you're here and you're wondering, you're wondering if this isn't my church, I'm too young, or this isn't my church, I'm too old. This isn't my church, I'm here on vacation. Or this isn't my church, it's too modern. Maybe maybe it's too cutting edge for you. This isn't my church, my invite my friend invited me, or this isn't my church, it's too loud, or youth that are up here in the front, this isn't my church, it's not loud enough, it's not big stuff, right? So the church is not a building, the church is a body, and I encourage you, just as my family and I, it is hard to get here sometimes on Sunday mornings, the struggle is real. My husband and I work at a school here on the island, and we go hard five days a week, sometimes six, just like this week with tournaments yesterday, but we come in here and we feel as though we are one because the church is not a building. The church is a body. And wherever you are or wherever you have been, you belong here right now. And if you are above the age of 16, this is a common conversation that we have had among our youth group leaders as well as in my very own home. You all had a first car. So on the count of three, everybody yell out what, the, what kind of car you had when you first learned how to drive. Ready? One, two, three. Oh, Jeep, cool. Okay, well, my very first car, I grew up in a Jewish single-parent home. My mom was an educator. My very first car was a Toyota Tercel. If Amy Jones is here, I've probably heard yellow Toyota Tercel because I know that's what her first car was too. And the, my favorite part about this car, though, was that it was two-toned. So I had a two-toned Toyota 
Tercel. And the, my good friend at the time spent hours and hours trying to polish the oxidized door to try to make it match the rest of the cars. That good friend of mine just happens to be my husband, and he is still taking care of me to this day as I um, just busted my left taillight of my Jeep on the way to youth group the other night. So I was backing out of my driveway kind of in a hurry in the dark. It had been a very hard day, and I was debating on whether or not I was honestly going to come because I was already running late. And my driveway is broken because the tree repair guys busted it on their way um, when they were taking down some trees. And so my driveway has a little bit of momentum. So I was pulling out the back and I ran right into the boat hitch. My husband comes running out the door because if you can imagine, it was loud. And he looks at me. I pulled right back into the garage in my license plate was dangling just like this. So he looks at me, and he is so calm and patient with me. I am so grateful. And he took a few zip ties. He put that license plate right back up on my Jeep. So my light still worked, even though it was completely busted. And we pulled back out again, and we came to church. Now, if you were here last week, you will remember that Todd talked about that Wednesday night that the leaders and the students were texting him until midnight because the night was so good. You know what I'm talking about if you were there. Yes, I almost missed that. Had I not been there, I would have missed being there for the students. And the struggle is real, not only to come here on Sunday mornings, but also to go to groups. You are not alone if you feel that way. But the most, my most favorite part about that car, that two-tone Toyota Tercel, was not the two colors or not the, and not the fact that it had some torn leather seats on the inside, but the fact that it was a stick shift. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> so if you have ever learned how to drive um, a manual transmission, you can relate to me when I say that my mom took me to a very empty parking lot and <laughs> my car hopped like a bunny all over the place as I learned how to slowly release the clutch and press the gas. I had a very hard time figuring that out for a while, so we did jump around a lot. But our lives sometimes can be compared to that manual transmission. How many things do you carry? How many things do you wear? How many things that you, do you have that keep us revved up on that 5,000 RPMs all the time as we run around and try to do life here? This is the hardest part because when, when we are able... To release the pressure, we try to do it ourselves. We try to do it with excessive exercise or comfort foods, alcohol or drugs, video games, or spending hours and hours on social media. But none of those things will release the pressure for us. Until we find the Savior at the cross, turn back to him, and we give him what we're carrying. And that is when we shift our focus from self to Savior. See, I didn't know about the cross when I was growing up. I didn't have the crazy fun that Summer has back in the back on Sunday mornings or that Coop has back here on Wednesday nights for kids. I grew up going to synagogue, and I did go to Saturday school, but the, the um, synagogue on the High Holy Days was in Hebrew, and so I didn't understand everything that was happening. I didn't realize that the aching in my soul came from craving the connection found in oneness through Christ in community. See, community and oneness, it began in the very beginning. In Genesis 1-1, it reads, God created the heavens and the earth. 
The earth was formless and void, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. And then in John 1, 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, community in the beginning. This is the same spirit we sing about when we say, Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. See, since the fall, our souls crave relationships, community, oneness. We long to fit in again as if it was the beginning. But sometimes we let ourselves get in the way of finding the community that our souls crave. When we focus on ourselves, we establish our worth in things that are created instead of the creator himself. We work longer hours. We stay home because there's always so much that needs to get done or some things that we just want to do. Self-care is important, but the priority in every aspect of our lives must be Christ. When we don't place him first, we limit the great amount of work that he wants to do in us and through us. But isn't it comforting to know that we are not the first ones to feel this way? Others who have gone before us have felt the same. Stories of broken people restored by a perfect God fill the Bible so that we can understand that we are not alone in our faith walk. Let's take a look at Moses who said to God, who am I? I'm in Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. If you want to open your Bibles to follow along or open up your YouVersion app. Verse 3, 1 says, Now Moses was pastoring the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, which will be later known as Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. Now let me give you a little bit of context here. Moses is much older. At 40, he fled to Midian. Now he's 40 years later, so he's 80 years old right now. Remember that baby that floated down the Nile for that special purpose who ended up in the house of the, pal the palace, right, of the house of Pharaoh? Yes, that baby here is now being used 80 years later. Let me encourage you, God is at work behind the scenes. The angel of the Lord appeared to him, verse 2, in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire. Okay, as an English teacher, I have to point this out. This is foreshadowing here. We know God is going to do something powerful. Fire is a huge symbol for power. Yet the bush was not consumed. What's so awesome about that? There was grace there. In his power, there is such grace. So Moses, verse 3, said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight, why the bush is not burned up. See, God got Moses' attention here. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, verse 4, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said to him, um, here I am. Then God said, do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet. For the place on which you are standing is holy ground. Do not come near here. Remember, I am God, you are man. Remember, we still have this separation here, but yet come to this place where I am going to speak to you. 
See, I have two students, international students, who are living in our home right now, and they are from China. And the first thing they asked me when they came to live in our home was, Miss, do we have to take off our shoes before we enter? And of course I said, no, 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 we have dog hair. I clean up all the time. It's not a problem. But I realized afterwards that it's their culture, not just for the cleanliness, but also as a sign of respect to enter. And so... Um, this is really important here because it's almost as if we take off our hats when we enter a building today. So God is saying, look, come close to me, but remember who you are. And here we go in verse 6. He said also, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses hid his face. Okay, so first God recalls, he says, remember who I am and what I have already done for you. I am a covenant-keeping God. And then Moses acknowledges his sin. It's almost as if he's saying, I'm not worthy. He hides his face, for he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters, for I am aware of their sufferings. Whatever you are going through right now, God sees you. He knows what is happening. So I have come down to deliver them. He comes down to deliver us from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canite, Hittite, Amorite, Perizzite, Hivite, and Jebusite. He is taking him to Canaan. This is not a new promise. That's what's so beautiful. Now behold, the cry of the sons of Israel has come to me. Furthermore, I have seen the oppression with which the Egyptians are oppressing them. He is reminding Moses that he is El Roy, the God who sees. Therefore, come now. Moses, it's time. And I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, and if you're following along with me, you will read with me, who am I? God just reminded Moses who he was, declared his promises to him. And Moses says to God, who am I? That I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt. And God says, certainly I will be with you. And this sign shall be to you that it is I who sent you. When you have brought these people out of Egypt, you shall worship at this mountain. And that is where Moses comes back and receives the Ten Commandments. Then Moses said to God, Behold, I am going to the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? See, when God does a new thing, as he did in the book of Genesis, he would give himself a new name. And when he had a new name, he would have a new attribute. But God is reminding Moses, this is not a new thing that he is doing with him right now. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am, otherwise known as Yahweh, has sent me to you. This I am, this Yahweh, is used 160 times in the, book, in the book of Genesis. God furthermore said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial name to all generations. That is to you and to me, the great I am. 
this is so beautiful because God meets us in the wilderness and transfers our thinking from who am I to the great I am. When you shift your focus from self to Savior, God does something remarkable. The first thing he does is he grafts you into his forever faith family tree. When you believe, every single one of you here has the opportunity to be grafted into the faith family tree. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, you become a new creation. And a new DNA is created. You fit in perfectly and become a part of the body of believers that has such a rich history. From Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In Galatians 3, 28 through 29, we read, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free. There is, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You are an heir according to the promise God made to Abraham, the one that he talked about here with Moses, and you are worthy and able to possess this promise. Let me read you this poem by Myra Welch called The Touch of the Master's Hand. Twas battered and scarred, and the auctioneer thought, it's scarcely worth his while. To waste much time on the old violin, but held it up with a smile. What am I bidden, good folks, he cried, Who'll start the bidding for me? One dollar, one dollar, then two, only two, two dollars. Who will make it three? Three dollars once, three dollars twice, going for three, but no. From the room far back, a gray-haired man came forward and picked up the bow. Then wiping the dust from the old violin and tightening the loosened strings, he played a melody pure and sweet, as caroling as an angel sings. The music ceased, and the auctioneer, with a voice that was quiet and low, said, what am I bid for that old violin? And he held it up with the bow. A thousand dollars, who will make it two? Two thousand, and who will make it three? Three thousand once, three thousand twice, and going, going, gone, said he. The people cheered, but some of them cried. We do not quite understand. What changed its worth? Swift came the reply. The touch of the master's hand. And many a man with life out of tune and battered and scarred with sin is auctioneered cheap to the thoughtless crowd, much like that old violin. A mess of pottage, a glass of wine, a game, and he travels on. He is going once and going twice. He's going and almost gone. But the master comes and the foolish crowd never can quite understand the worth of a soul and the change that is wrought by the touch of the master's hand. You are an heir to the king of kings. You are created, chosen, beloved, known, redeemed by the cross into the most important relationship of all time, restored to oneness in him. And we here together, this body of Christ, we need each other. You fit in perfectly and your roots run deep all the way back to the beginning of time with the friends you are sitting beside right now who have become brothers and sisters in Christ, regardless of where you have come from or what gender you are or what generation you are come from. Here together, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. May you inhabit your worth.
There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called, to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and one Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Ephesians 4, 4 through 7. Here's the difference. No longer is life about comparing and competing against each other, but life is now about complementing each other as each one of us fits within the body of Christ and our roots run deep so that we grow and thrive as one. But there are many distractions in this world. May our desire to grow and know God be, more, be stronger than our desire to get on Facebook, Snapchat, or Instagram. May our desire to grow in our faith Lead us to get over ourselves. There is no judgment or condemnation here. Whatever you have done is not any further than God's loving arms can reach. Come to him. He is waiting here for you. And you will feel small and you will feel awkward and ashamed as you confess your sins to him. But this is when we realize that we need him. And this is when the pressure is relieved and the great I am covers you with an abundant amount of grace found through the blood of Christ at the cross. And when you bravely confess your sins, others will follow and freedom will come because discipleship begins with you. Regardless of your background, regardless of your mess, we all have one thing in common. We come together as one because our love for Jesus has brought us here right now. But doing life together is about so much more than theology and doctrinal study. It's all about fellowship, accountability, service, and prayer. Imagine if all of our messes covered with grace, if we all got plugged into groups to grow and thrive together as one body, there is power in the name of Jesus. We couldn't help but radiate the light all over this island, within our schools, within our communities, onto the surrounding communities, and into the world. Because Christ created us for community, we cannot rightly shift our focus from self to Savior without the help of others around us. Turn to the person you're sitting beside and say, I need you. Yeah. I'm serious. Because this is your church. This is your church if you are young. We offer a place for you in the back with Summer or on Wednesday nights here with Coop. This is your church if you are older and wiser. Yes, we want your wisdom. Pour into us. This is your church if you are from out of town. You are welcome here. This is your church because it is modern and it is cutting edge. But don't you worry, it is built on sound doctrine. This is your church because your friend brought you, who is your brother and sister in Christ. Yes, come when you can. This is your church because it's loud. We love Jesus here. Yes. And this is your church if you want it louder. Come sit in the front or come visit us on Wednesday nights because there ain't no party like a Holy Spirit party because a Holy Spirit party don't stop. <laughs> you fit in perfectly here in the body of Christ and discipleship takes place and it begins with you and then meeting in groups throughout the week. Let me tell you, it took me several weeks to get up the courage to go to my very first women's group. I was scared to death. I didn't know the Bible. 
This book scared me like crazy. I didn't know what those weird people did in groups anyways, but everything in me wanted what those women had. Friendship, acceptance, love, fellowship. How did this young Jewish girl fit in? So ever, over 20 years ago, with my heart pumping like it was going to implode, within I went, and that is where I shifted my focus from who am I to the great I am. That was the first step I took towards relieving the pressure I carried on myself all of my life. I loved my women's group so much that my husband and I joined a couples group. And it was in that couples group that we learned how to build our brand new marriage on the rock. And then to take it a step further, that's how we grew together and how we learned how to disciple the next generation. It is in small groups that this takes place. Let's look at Exodus 17 real quick because I have to leave you with this. Exodus 17, 8 says, Moses frees his people. We know exactly what happens. They go into the wilderness, but then they come to this battle. And Moses' people, Jacob's people, come to a battle against Esau's people. Amalek is a grandson of Esau. Then Amalek came and fought against Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose men for us and go out. Fight against Amalek. Tomorrow I will station myself on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. Don't miss this. Moses said to Joshua, this is a mentoring relationship right here. Moses took this seriously. He knew that he could not lead these people forever. He had to mentor somebody to take his place. Joshua did as Moses told him and fought against Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. So it came about when Moses held his hand up that Israel prevailed. And when he let his hand down, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy. Then they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other. Thus his hands were steady until the sunset. So Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. They needed each other. My very first small group is the one with my precious people in my home every single school day before they leave for 10 minutes. That is my first small group. The other small groups, as Pastor Todd said, is the women's Monday morning group that meets over there at the cafe. It's hard for us to get here. Sometimes a friend of mine will text me and say, I'm running late, and I'll text her back and say, good, so am I. So we all show up here, and we, try, and we are in our mess, covered with grace, and we meet together, and we have coffee. It's wonderful. So, and then my other small group is with the women leaders, and then helping out with the youth in the back. But all of those things, I could not do life without those people. That's what's so important. My husband and I had to travel overseas last year, and I could not have gone if it wasn't for the prayer of the precious women who prayed for me before, during, and after, not to mention the meal that returned. And then when I got back, and then when I run with a, one of the group leaders here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning, and she looked at me and she said, Mindy, what's going on in your life? And I told her just a few things that were going on, and she looked at me and she said, how are you going to handle all of that? And I said, every day it's my focus to shift from self to Savior and say, Lord, carry this for me. It's not of me. It's completely of you. And she looked straight at me and she said, I will be your Aaron or your her. Oh, that made me want to cry. That most beautiful part about it is the part about doing life together because Monday is difficult for all of us. 
But that is the part of community or doing life together throughout the week. That's the point of it all. Being in community with a smaller group of Christ followers and studying the Bible the other six days is vital to not dreading that Monday is coming every single week. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. In groups, we learn how to live a life of gratitude for the gift of his son, our new identity in him, and not only that, but our destiny that has changed as well. I've seen groups come together just recently to be the hands and feet of God to serve each other during loss and crisis and meet each other's needs physically, emotionally, and spiritually. I am afraid that if we do not grow together spiritually in order to pour into the next generation, Families will be too busy to come to church. Faith will not be a priority. Groups will not be a priority, which means church will not be a priority. What you do today matters. Thank you for being here. Shift your focus from self to savior. You fit in here perfectly. Now let's find a group to help you grow throughout the week. Please fill this out for um, Cynthia and for Chris. And if you're late... When you come in here on one Sunday morning, there's a stack of chairs in the back corner back there that my family is happy to share with you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for loving us more than we can even imagine. Thank you for creating community in the very, very beginning. And Lord, thank you for bending our hearts towards wanting that same exact community. Lord, we try to fill it with so many things, but we know that until we shift our focus and relieve the pressure by handing it to you on the cross, we will continue to drive around in that 5,000 RPM zone. Help us to shift our focus, Lord, from who am I to the great I am. Because we know that when that happens, our worth is established in you. Lord, you fill us with an abundant amount of grace and thank you, Jesus, that it's that grace that keeps us going every single day. Thank you for our friends who we do life with here at this church. Thank you for community. Thank you for loving us and bringing us together as one. Lord Jesus, we know you have been here the entire time waiting for us. Lord, we are just waiting for you. Please move in our hearts. Today is the day, Lord. Help us to commit to coming together, number one with you and number two with others, so that we may grow, get plugged in, and thrive. Lord, I pray for everybody here this week. Fill them with the presence of your Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus. Fill them with an abundant amount of grace. Thank you for covering up our mess with the blood on the cross. Lord Jesus, we love you. We turn to you. We come to you. We praise you. Use this last time, Lord, for us to continue to be filled with the promise that we have possessed, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.